0: All right, well, we are wrapping up our summer playlist series uh, today, and the the last song that we're going to look at is a song called All My Delight by The Belonging Company, and the the song, the the main idea, it's pretty straightforward. It's a song that expresses the delight that we have in God, the joy that we have through Jesus, in Jesus. Uh, The chorus of the song says, there's a living fount I know where grace and mercy overflow. Love has come to set me free. I've got this joy inside of me. All my delight, all my delight is found in you. So as we see in the lyrics, it's it's pretty straightforward in terms of what it's communicating, that that we are expressing the joy, the delight that we have in the Lord. And as we'll we'll later see this morning, it's, it's a song that is upbeat, it is fun, it is joyous. And thus the assumption, the expectation when we sing songs like this is that when we come before God, we're not merely like informing God about what we feel as if he doesn't know, right? But we're coming before God and we're allowing ourselves to actually experience what we are professing, what we are declaring, obviously through him and through one another, right? And this is a big part of worship, that when we worship together, we praise together, we're not only declaring things that are true, but we're allowing ourselves to, to feel what we are declaring and Professing. And in the context of joy, right, we are coming before God and we're obviously enjoying Him, right, His presence, all of His provisions, and part of those provisions being His people, right? We are experiencing that joy through one another. And we see this kind of theme throughout Scripture. Uh, one example, Psalm 100, uh, verses 1 to 4. So we get this idea of the psalmist, right, of us being able to invite one another, call others to gather together, right, to rejoice, to experience this joy together that we have in the Lord, right? And this is the essence of of being the church, of being one body with many parts, Right? It's not only that we function as a church in terms of fulfilling His plans and His purposes, but part of coming together is experiencing part of God through one another. Right? And this is the kind of, of life that we are called to live with, the kind of joy that we are called to have as believers. Right, That we, in light of who God is, in light of what God has done, in light of what he will one day do, we can, we can rejoice. Now, as, as believers, right, when we come together, we, we know that it's not limited to just rejoicing, right? That every time we worship, every time we praise, we only rejoice. There are times where we come together to, to grieve together, mourn together. There may be times where we lament together, cry out together, right? So, so gathering together, worshiping together, it's not just about rejoicing. But at the same time, rejoicing is a, a big part of coming together because joy is, is essential. It is foundational. It is, is a significant part of the Christian life in light of what God has done for us. Now, when you, when you look at the life of Jesus, right, perhaps one of the more underrated aspects of Jesus is his joy, right? The joy that he possessed, the joy that he exuded, the joy that sustained him, strengthened him, inspired him, motivated him. I look at Hebrews 1, 8 and 9. Here the the author is quoting Psalm 45 in reference to Jesus. But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Right here, the author is saying that one aspect of Jesus that separated him from everyone else, amongst other things, but one component of his life that differentiated him from anyone else is his his joy and the joy that he possessed. Luke chapter 7, this is Jesus uh, acknowledging some of the criticism that he was getting from his critics, especially early on in his ministry. He says, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, And you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, we don't have details here, but it's interesting when you think about this. right? What Jesus is acknowledging, and he's not actually denying this, but what he's acknowledging is that he lived his life a certain way, he behaved a certain way, where some people observed his life, and from the outside, right the way that he would consume food, the way that he would drink wine, the way he would behave around some of the worst people in society, people looked at him and just said, "This guy is a, a drunk. He is a party animal. He's a glutton. He like, enjoys this way too much than, than he should be enjoying." And hence, some of the criticism that, that Jesus received because of how he lived, the kind of the attitude, the, the posture he, he portrayed. Hebrews 12, verse 2, refer, referring to Jesus, this is, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, right? It's, it's this joy, right? Uh, you know, in addition to his love and grace and all those things, but but it's the joy that help to strengthen him, to endure the cross on our behalf. Now, we know in the Gospels, we know through Scripture, that like, this doesn't mean that Jesus was like smiley and jolly and giddy and happy in the way that we understand happiness all of the time. Right? We know that there are times where he grieved, times when he was frustrated, times when he was sad, and times when he was angry. But even amidst that, there was this level of joy. Right? And that's when we, we talk about joy, and it was, we kind of as you're going to hear me say joy, rejoice, experience joy, like a hundred times the rest of the sermon. Where I'm not equating it to happiness and being smiling giddy all the time. We can be, but it doesn't have to be. But what we see in Jesus, and we talk about joy, it's this, this level of peace, this, this certain amount of, of hope and contentment and this healthy sense of confidence. Right? For Jesus, because of what the Father was doing, because of what the Holy Spirit was doing, technically, because of what he himself was doing. And thus, because his joy was rooted in something that was infinite, eternal, something that was guaranteed, right? it was a joy that was unshakable. A joy that was unwavering. Right? And this is the kind of joy that Jesus invites us to receive. The kind of joy that he invites us and calls us to experience and possess and exude right, because of, of who he is and what he's done. Right? Luke chapter 2, remember the Christmas story? Right? Jesus is born, shepherds out in the field, angels appear. Right? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Right? Today in the town of David, uh, Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Matthew 13, Jesus describing kind of what life in his kingdom is like, the kind of heart that his follower would possess. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. John 15, 9 to 11, Jesus telling his followers, soon before he would go to the cross, telling his followers what he was about to do, why he's doing it. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Right? Jesus says, I'm telling you what I'm about to do. I'm doing all this so that the joy that I have would be in you, and that your j- joy would be complete. It would be overflowing. It would be maxed out right, in terms of capacity. Galatians 5, Apostle Paul describing what growth and maturity, what it looks like, evidence of the Spirit of God working in our life. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 1 Peter chapter 1, remember our study through 1 Peter. Here Peter is writing to believers who are actually suffering, facing persecution. They are struggling. And he says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, then in verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, as followers of Jesus, right, as sons and daughters of God, right, we are invited and called to to have this joy that is rooted in who God is and all that He has done for us. To have this joy that is unshakable, unwavering, right? Because we believe by faith that at some point, because of our sin, we were enemies of God, hostile to Him, right? Deserving of eternal wrath, separation, punishment, but God in his mercy, in his grace, in his compassion, right, he steps into humanity, sends his son Jesus to live amongst us, to live a perfect life, to proclaim the gospel of his kingdom, to ultimately die on the cross, to pay the debt we owed, to endure the punishment we deserved. Three days later, he would rise from the dead. Conquering sin and death once and for all, making reconciliation with God, relationship with God possible and attainable to anyone who would turn to Him. Anyone who would trust Him and place their faith in Him. And the moment we turn to Him, the moment we place our faith in Him, our sins are washed clean, past, present, and future. Where we are made holy and perfect in His sight without blemish receiving His righteousness and declared worthy of all of His blessings, all of His his favor. And thus, no matter how much we struggle, no matter how many mistakes we make, no matter how many times we stumble and fall, no matter all of our weaknesses, our flaws, our imperfections, God is always with us. He is always for us. He is always working for our good. Right? It doesn't mean life is going to be easy. Life is still going to be hard. There are going to be pain and hardships. There are going to be difficulties and challenges. Yet those things will one day pass. Right? And one day we will be with God. All eternity in heaven with one another in a place where there's no more pain. No more sorrow, no more sickness, no more disease, no more death, no more sin. And it is our faith in this reality, faith in this promise that enables us to have a joy, regardless of our worldly circumstances, as challenging and as difficult as it may be. So a big part of this is believing this. Receiving and accepting this reality. And the other part of this is to actually just enjoy our relationship with God. The life we have with Him today. To enjoy His presence. To enjoy His Word. To enjoy His instructions. To enjoy all of His provisions. And part of enjoying His provisions, a portion of that is experiencing His joy through His people. Right, through one another. Now, there are a lot of ways, right, that we can experience that joy through one another. Right, we get this broad description of the early church in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right, so we get this description of the early church, and we see them experiencing this joy together by basically just doing life together, right? by gathering together, right? learning together, studying together, meditating on, on God's work together, eating together, praying together, sharing their possessions together, seeing signs and wonders, experiencing God's power and His presence, witnessing together, helping point people to Jesus together, doing evangelism, doing missions, and amidst that, doing that with glad, sincere hearts, and a portion of that, praising God together, worshiping God together. In this dynamic of enjoying God together and experiencing joy together, it's a dynamic that kind of applies in all situations. Like for most of us, we would know that there is a difference uh, watching a sports game, at home, by yourself, in front of the TV, versus being in a stadium, an arena, with thousands of other fans cheering for the the same team. That when you're in an arena and in a stadium surrounded by thousands of people, assuming that, you know, your team is doing well, right, that the joy and the excitement and the exhilaration that you feel in that moment, it's not just because of how the team is playing, but part of that joy you feel is because of the joy and the excitement that everyone else around you is feeling. Right, I know for me that I'm going to probably cheer a little louder, scream a little louder when I'm surrounded by thousands of other screaming fans than if, if I'm going to be at my house by myself, right, right, behind AATV. Right, the how others are feeling, how they are responding is going to have an impact on what I feel, what I experience, right? And this is true at a concert, a theater, a musical, right? where we can feel the, the energy of people around us. Right? Have you ever been at a baseball game or it could be a football game, whatever, and someone decides to start the wave, right? The last time I was at the Angel Game, and I know it's kind of a you know, cheesy example, but a, a very visual reminder of how someone else's response can affect yours. Last time I was at a game, a group out in center field at some point during the game, you just hear this loud cheer, and they all stand up, and immediately everyone in the stadium knew what was about to happen. And as that wave begins to to move around the stadium, even though I'm like, I got my hot dog and my Coke, and I'm like, oh, not right now. As soon as that wave came, you know, our group, we we stood up and for that moment, you know, and it wasn't a joy that would be life altering and change the trajectory of my life, but for that moment, just a little bit of joy, right, whoo, because of what somebody else had started. And then that that joy begins to to, to move its way around and maybe it's starting to dwindle in that same group, once again, right, cheering and screaming loud, it's like, all right, here, here we go again. If just a visual, right, of how our response in any moment, what we are feeling, what we are demonstrating can affect those around us, right? And we don't need to be at a game, right, to, to understand this dynamic, right? Just be around people, right? And, and I think we can all acknowledge that there is a difference, right? There is a difference when we are around someone who is joyful, someone who's uplifting, someone who's content, someone who's positive and optimistic versus someone who, who's the opposite, someone who, who's not those things, that those emotions not only affect them, but it affects us in terms of what they are feeling, in terms of what they are demonstrating. Uh, back when uh, my daughters were younger, uh, we did this hybrid school program, so Mondays were like these homeschool days, and they would stay home. So we tried to, to go out on these little trips, educational kind of trips to museums and parks, and we called it Monday Fun Days, where we just, we just went out. And when we were out on these, these Monday Fun Days or Fun Day Mondays, um, you know, some of those days, it's Monday for me, so it's the day after Sunday, so there are some of those days where I'd be kind of tired, and maybe not have as much energy to keep up. And maybe there's some of those things where, you know, I wasn't necessarily excited, but I enjoyed being with the family. And Amber thought it would be funny that to, to f- kind of try to catch moments where I just seemed completely disinterested and disengaged. So I could be with the family, we'd be at the park, and I'd go sit down for a minute because I'm tired, pull out my phone, and she'd, she'd snap a picture of me. She posted it on Instagram and she would put the caption hashtag bored Eric. Okay. And eventually she would like post these pictures that just showed me as this like disengaged, disinterested dad every single Monday, to the point where some people, some of her friends, would actually get upset at me on her behalf. There were even some who offered to Amber to come and lecture me on the importance of you know just being present. And engage and positive with, with family, right? And I understood it, right? Because we understand how our attitude, our demeanor, how, how we live our life can impact the people around us, right? And this is true anytime time we gather together with people. It is true of us when we gather together as church, as believers. During the week, whether it's a formal gathering, an informal gathering, it's true when we gather together on Sundays, right? the, the greeting time before service starts, the, the fellowship time after service when we're just eating snacks and catching up on life, how we can affect others. And obviously it applies to when we, when we worship, when we praise God together, that there is a difference when we are surrounded by people who are fully engaged and immersed in the worship versus when we are surrounded by by those who may be less engaged, maybe even disengaged with with worship and with praise. Now, just to be clear, not saying that we have to be smiley and jolly and happy all the times that we're here, not saying that there is a, a right way to worship externally, right? that there's a certain facial expression we need to make or a certain thing we need to do with our arms or a certain way we, we sing the lyrics. We don't need to clap. We don't need to dance. But we certainly can. And if there is a moment, if there was a time for us to demonstrate that joy, and to express it in a way that we don't normally express it, it would be worship. It would be when the body of Christ comes together to declare and profess the joy that we have in the Lord. And you see that the challenge for us, right? The challenge for us is not that we are able to rejoice when we merely sing. The challenge for us as believers is to have a joy that is genuine and sincere, to have a joy that is unshakable, a joy that is unwavering, a joy that is constant and continuous. Look at Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 to 7. Uh, we looked at this passage last week, actually. Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So a couple observations we see here, right? One, we as believers, are, we, we're called. We are not only invited, but we are instructed. To have a joy that is genuine and sincere in every situation, regardless of the circumstances. Paul's not saying that it's easy, right? This is hard, this is challenging, it's humanly impossible apart from the the power of the Spirit. But as difficult as it may be, this is the, the, the kind of heart we are called to pursue. And the reason we're called to pursue this kind of joy is not because God just likes joyful people better, but because joy is the the response to a relationship with Him. That a healthy, natural response of a relationship with Him is joy. So we are called to rejoice in any and every situation. The second thing we see in here is that to have this joy, it requires a certain level of intentionality. It requires discernment. It requires humility. It requires effort. He right? says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That Paul kind of lays out a process. Right? Steps to take. That it entails, one, acknowledging, identifying, recognizing in ourselves when we lack joy. For an indicator to go off and be like, maybe I'm not experiencing the kind of joy that I should be. It involves identifying, okay, what are the things in our life? What are the things in my life that are hindering my ability to, to rejoice? That are getting in the way, things that are obstacles and barriers to me rejoicing things that are making me anxious, things that I'm stressing about, worrying about, overwhelmed with, identifying those things, recognizing it, and then by prayer and petition, bringing those things to God, entrusting those things to God, and he says, with thanksgiving. All right. So he's not saying, be grateful, stop complaining. Right. But with thanksgiving, what he's saying is that as we're bringing our struggles and our challenges to God Also bring to mind who God is. Bring to mind all that He has done. Bring to mind His love, His compassion, His character, His personality, His attributes. Bring to mind the gift of salvation. Bring to mind the promises that we have in Him. And keep doing those things. Continuously, constantly, consistently until God grants us his peace, right? That hope, that confidence, that assurance, that joy that transcends all understanding, right? So we see this level of intentionality, Now it is difficult, it is hard, but this level of effort and discernment that is required to have this joy that is unshakable and unwavering. None of this is easy. And I hope that I you know, didn't communicate that this should be easy or feel easy. This is extremely difficult. And I think it's safe to say that you know, for, for a lot of us, while we do have this joy, there are also things in our life, certain challenges, certain hardships, certain uncertainties about our future, our kids' future, family members, loved ones, there are certain losses that we've encountered. Grief, sorrow, sadness, right? There are things in our life that make it hard to experience this kind of joy at any given moment. There are things in our life that that make us feel anxious. There are things in our life that cause us to feel fear and worry. And those things get in in the way. And you see, what Paul is saying, what God is saying is not, just rejoice. Stop worrying, just rejoice. What he's saying is, come to me. Whatever is weighing you down, whatever is making you anxious, whatever is bringing about fear and worry, grief and sorrow, bring those things to me. And allow me to to give you my peace. Allow me to fill you with hope. Allow you to give me, give you that joy that transcends understanding. Uh, Many of you uh, know John Tawa, who's been on staff here for a long time and has worked with our youth for for several years. And uh, John's given me his blessing to share this. And uh, many of you know John has been very open about his mental health, about his struggle with bipolar for most, if not all, of his adult life. And I remember when John was 16, and I was 22, 23 at the time, I was interning with the youth, and it was the summer of, I think, 2003, and we were scheduled to take the youth up to a summer camp with Gardena Valley Baptist called Alpine. And about a couple of weeks before leaving for camp was when John was hospitalized for the very first time and he was diagnosed with with bipolar. Right and for a 16-year-old kid, his world in that moment, right, completely turned upside down. Future filled with complete uncertainty in terms of what it would look like in light of the challenges and the hardships that that he would endure. Well, after, you know, that that process, he couldn't, he wasn't able to to go to camp for obvious reasons. So, you know, we took up the youth to camp and we spent the week up there. But on the last day of camp, uh, Valerie's mom brought him up just so that he could, you know, be around his friends and see his peers and just experience the last day of camp. And I remember the very last session as we were worshiping together. At some point, John was in the front row sitting with, with his friends. Everyone else was sitting. And at some point, John just stood up. He started worshiping. And you could just sense this, this joy that he possessed in that moment. And and he wasn't like happy, right? He wasn't like all smiley in in light of, you know, life was so good. I'm just celebrating. I mean, life was hard. So many questions, so many challenges. But in that moment, there was still... Joy. And you could just see and you could feel that in that moment, he recognized that even though there were so many questions, God was present. God was good. That God was in control and was going to do something good on his behalf. This faith in that reality. And as I just watched him worship with that kind of joy in light of his circumstances, it reminded me God is present. God is in control. He is working for our good and everything is going to be okay. And seeing John being able to worship with joy helped me to worship with joy and to rejoice even despite the challenges and the hardships. And you see, this is is the power and the potential of when we gather together as believers amidst the hardship and challenges of life. Doesn't mean we got to be happy and smiley all the time, but to come before God, to entrust our worries and our burdens to Him, and to rejoice together together with one another in light of who he is and all that he has done. So as we close our time this morning, as we, we wrap up our series, um, as we sing this song, All My Delight, which, which we're not going to sing right away. We're going to close with this song. But as we move into this time of re- reflection and worship, you know, what are those things that are, are weighing you down? what are those things that are are getting in the way of our ability to rejoice and to use this time to bring those things to Him and to just remind ourselves of the kind of God who is our God, the kind of God we worship, the kind of God that we serve, the kind of love that He has demonstrated and the love that He promises and guarantees. For each and every one of us. We pray with me.